0: Welcome to the Discovery Doc Podcast, where we advocate for optimal wellness and reducing everyday toxic loads, no matter where life takes you. I'm Dr. Cece, doctor in nursing practice, self-proclaimed toxin tamer, and a crunchy mama.
1: I'm Anna Kate, a medical mystery overachiever and your discovery liaison. Join us on this exciting journey as we explore the world of holistic health, cutting edge research and practical solutions for a healthier life. Together, we'll navigate through the complexities of wellness, sharing valuable insights, and expert advice.
0: Tune in to the Discovery Doc podcast. Get ready to be inspired, empowered, and discover a whole new way of looking at your health.
1: Welcome back to the discovery
0: doc podcast. I'm here with your host, Dr. CC functional medicine, nurse practitioner, self-proclaimed
1: toxin tamer and crunchy mama. And my co-host over here, I'm Anna Kate, your medical mystery overachiever and discovery liaison. And we have are back with Dr. Natalie, which if you missed last episode, go back and listen to it. Cause she dropped some total truth bombs and deep mystified some myths. And you won't want to miss what she told us. In our last episode. Yes, Dr. Natalie is a hormone specialist. She is also known as a
0: PCOS doc. We talked a whole bunch about PCOS last time, but she is so much more than that. She is truly all things hormone related and using a more holistic approach to conquer things like infertility and hormone imbalances. So we're just going to jump right back in. Dr. Natalie, thank you for being here. Anna Kate already
1: is interrupting me. I am because I have a question because I want to know what's in her cup. Oh, so funny. What
2: you like in your cup. Well, right now it's just straight water. Um, but typically, typically I do King coffee, um, or electrolytes. So I'm like a huge pickleball cocktail fan. Have you guys had the pickleball cocktail by jigsaw? No, can you please tell us? Yeah. Subtle plug for jigsaw. Right. Um, I do a half a scoop of that in the morning before my morning walk with colostrum. Mm -hmm. It has made a huge difference for me, energy wise skin, all the things, but yeah, I do a big glass of water colostrum and the pickleball cocktail. I add a little bit of uh, a little more salt. I do a pinch of salt with it. Um, and then I'll drink that right away. And then it's water all day or kicking coffee. (laughs) Amazing.
0: And for those of you who don't, understand colostrum in this sense it's awesome immunoglobulins that are so good for gut health for immune health we use them all the time too there's a tons of different types out there but that sounds like an awesome morning drink mine started off with i'm not even gonna say it we gotta know we gotta know today it started off with an ice ice caramel latte with almond milk and it's still sitting about half full and it is you know almost five o'clock so i'm not drinking it anymore it's just like the little snippets that I needed to sit. A little sit.
1: Otherwise yeah. water with electrolytes is my jam. Yeah. So and a little pinch of salt too. So my drink today was the Richmond blend tea, which has um, cinnamon in it. So the, it's a black tea and the longer it brews, the sweeter it gets. So I don't have to put any sugar into it.
2: And it tastes wow.
1: so good. It is my, it's going to be my winter coffee. I'll have to bring you some. She is though. Cup. Last time she had like a white peach organic tea.
2: I'm You're sorry. a tea fan, aren't you? I am a tea. Yeah. I am a tea girl. She drinks the coffee. Yeah. So that's, I'm the coffee girl. I get it. I am coffee connoisseur through and through.
0: But see that, <laughs> and that's my issue is I'm a coffee snob. So I won't just yes. drink coffee around. Yes. A very no. specific coffee that I will drink.
2: Same. I won't just drive through a Starbucks and grab a coffee. Oh. That does not happen in my in my world. But I know all the local coffee shops. I know what kind of coffee beans they have, if it's organic. How high the altitude was.
0: Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> that is me. Everyone thinks I'm crazy. But that is me. And it's so funny because yeah. looking back, I mean, I survived off of Starbucks in college.
2: Same. Oh, how things have changed. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. used to be friends with the Starbucks employees in college because I lived there. I was like, <laughs> that's my office in college. That's... And now I'm like, I haven't been through Starbucks in years. Literally, maybe two years. Agreed. And last time I did
0: it was probably three or four years ago it does not like I remember it tasting like craving it and tasting it and being like this is the most amazing thing and now and like three or four years ago when I had it I was like holy moly this tastes like big coffee
2: oh when and- you learn also that they burn the beans like intentionally so you can't taste the actual quality of the coffee bean it's a no for me I just it's can't
1: dog. so yeah. I'm still a tea girl when I when I go there, what do you got? So you still go, Oh, you still go there I still, for, yeah, tea. for tea. I don't get coffee because that's just, back. I, yeah. Well, and I'm sensitive to mold, so I can't, yeah. even if I did, I couldn't get from there anyway. Um, but I like the chai with oat milk or almond milk. That's kind of my,
2: my thing that used to be my drink when I went to Starbucks, the chai, I liked that.
1: Yeah. Or the, um, medicine ball. So that's a great one. Cause it's I a tea bag. That. Yeah. So Anyways, now that we've got all that stuff, yes. I wanted to know what's in your cup. It tells you a lot about people, it does. of what they have in the morning and what their go to drink is. So I'm wondering, it absolutely does.
2: I hope I passed the drink test.
1: Of course, did.
2: we cannot yuck yums
1: no. like no matter what is in your cup, that's your how you start your day. So, okay. if it was a iced caramel macchiato with all the sugar and all the things, not that you would because of our conversation in our last episode, but yep. for one, for one drink, advice, guys. Well, Funny. you are making another human. Yeah, so. yeah,
0: baby's craving it. Okay, we're just gonna.
1: Aww,
2: you can't say no. Can't say no to the baby. Say you no know, to the baby.
0: This was happening way before baby.
2: Yes. <laughs> uh, but no one,
0: no. I don't know nobody needs to know. Just ignore that. Um, something that you mentioned before that I am dying to dig in with you. Is birth control? So we talked right. a little bit of, about this a couple episodes ago, and and my views on it, and that ju- is just that it's slapped on everything and handed out like yep. like candy, and it's not fixing the hormonal imbalances. It's just shutting down that feedback loop, unfortunately. And so you know, there's crazy stats out there, like sixty percent of women who are on birth control, it's not actually for preventing birth or you know getting pregnant. It is to help manage other symptoms. What are, since you are the specialist here, what is your take on birth control? When are you an advocate for it? When do you say, hey, we might want to reconsider other options here?
2: Yeah, okay. So I will preface it with, I probably have extreme views. <laughs> in awesome. that, well, In the- that. <laughs> okay, good, good. In that, I feel like it's obviously... It can be useful for contraceptive purposes, right? I think the majority of the time it's not being used for that, right? But I think we have much safer ways of preventing pregnancy than a hormonal pill. Um, I I see issues with IUDs. I see issues with the Nexplanon. I just had a patient the other day with vulvodynia from Nexplanon. Horrible, horrible pain with sex now, burning. Um, She has sores um, and just all sorts of uh, discomfort um, on her vulva because of next one. And it started within the month she got her next one on, which is the implant in your arm. uh, If you're listening, but there's, there's issues that come with all of them, which is why I am this extremist in that I'm like, are any of them really safe? I can't say that for sure. Right. I would love to say they are, um, now there's definitely going to be better options and and you would probably be more of an expert on this than I would. Cause I don't prescribe birth control. Um, I'm very pro understanding your cycles, using the fertility awareness method, using, you know, fertility tracking devices to understand if you're trying to avoid, um, you know, or if you're trying to conceive understanding how to use those devices and your own bodily clues to be aware of that fertile window, because if you just know when that like four to five to six day period is in your cycle, that you're fertile, it's very easy to avoid conception and avoid getting pregnant. If you know, those signs and those markers to look for, um, or those different parameters, um, that your body will show you. So that's kind of my viewpoint on it. um, as far as you know what's safe and what's not but i do agree with you that i feel like it is no longer used just for c- contraceptive purposes it's literally being used to as a catch all to fix all hormone related issues and women are under the impression that when they're on it their cycles are normal and they're having regular periods and we know and i'm sure you talked about this is that well, the periods we see when we're on the pill are not real periods, right? They're just withdrawal bleeds. And so women are under the impression for years and years and years that they have regular periods and they actually do not. They're having a synthetic withdrawal bleed. They're seeing blood coming out of their body, but it's not a true healthy menstrual cycle. So I think that is a major issue and it's not our fault. It's not on the fault of women. Women are not being properly informed of the side effects. There's no informed consent happening when this is going on. Um, And I mean, the side effects are a whole nother story. Do you want me to go into that?
0: I would love to because we did, we touched on it a little bit, but I would love to hear. Yes. I think it's it's worthwhile for people to hear this multiple times over because one quick thing before you proceed forward on that is I Mm -hmm. wish that in like our sex education and five, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade, that it was taken seriously to teach women about their bodies. That, okay, yeah. teach sex education because it's becoming of age where you are going to get your cycle. And so here's how you prevent getting pregnant type of thing. But why not use that time to grab girls and say, hey, this is what your body naturally does. This is the timing of it. I have grown women who don't understand that a cycle is 28, 30 days. They think their sex yes. is when they're bleeding and yes. that's understand when they're ovulating. And it's not until you really get to more, you know, thinking about having children that, yep. that now needs to be on the forefront of learning. Oh, this is when I ovulate. Not everybody ovulates on day 15. I ovulate yep. 21, you know, but it's about finding yep. that knowledge about your body and girls just are not exposed to that. And so they're just set up for failure in terms of understanding how their bodies operate and therefore they can't regulate it when it comes to avoiding getting pregnant. So Mm -hmm. I would love to see that education implemented way earlier in the the system, but yes, please dive deep into the side effects of birth control. And I'm such a huge proponent that anybody who is being put on it should be read off. Hey, these are the risks. These, this is what can happen. And it just doesn't.
2: Yeah, I mean, first of all, I can't agree with you more about the need for education at a younger age in our science classes, in, you know, whatever classes that are being taught, sex ed, whatever, you know, we had classes in high school that barely taught us anything, right? But this should be taught even younger, I think, um, in an appropriate manner, obviously, but girls and women of all ages just do not know about their bodies and what's normal and what's not normal with their bodies. Um, I mean, I didn't even know as almost a doctor, I didn't even know a lot of the things I know now. And to me now it's common knowledge, but I look back and I'm like, I didn't know this when I was an undergrad, you know, I knew very minimally, like I didn't get off birth control till I was 22 or 21. So I was on it, maybe it was 22 I was on it all those years. And I didn't know that I'll go into the side effects because, you know, I didn't know that migraines that I was having on a regular basis were driven by the birth control pill. I didn't know that these mood swings I was having were driven by the birth control pill. I didn't know that, you know, my cycles were significantly heavier than they needed to be or more painful than they needed to be because of the pill. Um I also didn't understand that I was taking a synthetic hormone. So There's so many risks in itself that that come with synthetic hormones if they're not used properly, right? But I think the biggest side effects, you know, to think about are things like micronutrient deficiencies, which can be lifetime or longer term issues, right? If they're not corrected, they can be lifetime issues. But those micronutrient deficiencies have a ripple effect into every every area of our body, from our thyroid to our blood sugar to our diet our digestion, our ability to make stomach acid, um, the way our brain operates, our, our micronutrients, just, they impact every single function in our body and cofactors in our body and things like that, all these biological processes, and when we don't have enough of those nutrients. It's really hard for our body to just function at a normal capacity, So in my case, I was thrown on birth control at 14 um, because of the symptoms I was having, which were PCOS. So what I'm seeing in the PCOS space is that birth control is masking a lot of the symptoms of PCOS. And a lot of women are not even aware they have PCOS because of the birth control pill. If you want to hear more about PCOS, go listen to our last episode, but And that's an issue with the pill in itself is it's masking other issues. Women think that they're okay and their hormones are normal. Their cycles are normal and they're just really not. Um, Another thing it affects is obviously the integrity of our gut and our gut health. And that is the epitome of our immune system, right? Everything starts from the gut, our mental health, our our neurotransmitters, everything kind of originates from this microbiome in our gut. And when that's disrupted, it's going to cause problems all throughout the body. Thyroid hormone conversion largely happening in the gut and the liver. And when those areas are affected and disrupted, this can affect other processes in the body, which can in turn affect ovulation and pregnancy rates. Um, and indirectly can be potentially causing fertility issues. It's a, maybe a stretch to say the birth control pill causes infertility. But if you look at it from kind of a you know, broad lens, it potentially could be with the ripple effect of what's happening from micronutrient deficiencies to gut related issues, to thyroid related issues, to ovulation dysfunction, because what happens is is when you're on the pill, this connection between the brain and the ovary is severely disconnected. And women have a hard time reestablishing that connection sometimes for up to a year or more. And so their bodies are having a hard time connecting in multiple ways. They're not producing producing the hormones that they need to because the body has been so disconnected from this normal reproductive rhythm that it just doesn't know what to do. And so a lot of women are being told, stay on the pill until the month you want to get pregnant. And then you're your most fertile, which is just not true at all. From what I am seeing across the board, If if you're on the pill and you're listening to this, you need to give yourself at least a year off of the pill. I always say at least a year because you've got to rebuild. You've got to repair that gut lining. You've got to you know, replenish your nutrients. You have to do all this stuff, replenish B vitamins, which are severely depleted by the pill and zinc and magnesium. And so you really need to give your body a a period of healing. And that's just not promoted in the conventional space I'm seeing at all. Women are not being told they have to do this. Um, So those are some of the, impacts that I'm seeing of the pill and side effects of the pill that really aren't being talked about and then obviously more severe ones you know stroke and pulmonary embolism and things like that and the risk of depression is it is it like two I think it's two or threefold higher in women that are on the pill um yeah
0: it's threefold yeah
2: it's All significant right. um and then a- another mechanism to think about is anxiety women that I'm seeing often are coming in on the pill and they're very anxious. Cause they're not having that amazing hit every month of progesterone or calming hormone that's secreted after we ovulate, they're not having that normal process. So there's no breaks in their brain ever throughout the month. They're not getting that relaxing hormone and those relaxing neurotransmitters produced from the brain that they should be um, like GABA, for instance, which calms us and makes us really relaxed in that luteal phase of our cycle. So I think it's, it's really causing plethora of issues that women just don't even realize and that doctors maybe don't even realize at this point either.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree because oftentimes when people, when women are getting on birth control, most of us start in our teens. And Mm -hmm. so at that age, you're not asking certain questions. And so by the time you get to mid twenties, it's just a normal thing. You know, you have to go re up on your birth control and it's just a normal thing you've been on forever. And that's Mm -hmm. how your body feels with it. But I don't think that enough women understand what it inhibits in the body. Like to women, you know, girls that are put on it. It's like, okay, I won't get pregnant or mm-hmm. okay. It'll help me not have as heavy
1: a periods. Or for acne. Or, That's right. Oh yeah. Some of them, You know, yeah. pre-adolescent teens are put on for acne. Acne. Right. And it
0: will like, help with acne, but it's not taught, but what is it shutting down? And right. so, when you go to stop that birth control, your body has to literally relearn how mm-hmm. to size those hormones, how to yeah. pull them into the cells, how to utilize them, and it doesn't just happen overnight. You know, yeah. it depends how long that woman has been on birth control, what their you know, met- you know, just met- metabolism is, is like, or their genetic factors are like. But mm-hmm. that is, is a little known fact too, and I also think it's not taught enough how important actual ovulation is to yes. the body that it's there for a reason way it's protective. It helps us. And when we yeah. suppress that for 20 years of our life, what implications yep. does that have, you know, later on? So I loved all that. I'm here for it all. Um, <laughs> moving <laughs> on a little bit more. So I want to talk about just in general, women's health in general with helping to maintain healthy cycles. What are some super simple changes that people can make that women can make in their daily lives to improve their overall general hormonal health?
2: Yeah. First and foremost, um, is get rid of conventional menstrual products or feminine care products. So a switch to organic tampons first and foremost, I have noticed that just by having people do that, it reduces their period pain and their cramping right off the bat. So that kind of falls into the category for me of reducing toxin exposure. So reducing toxin exposure from your tampons to your water supply, to your food supply and your environment as much as you possibly can. And what I say, a good rule of thumb is I always start with what goes in my body, then what goes on my body and then what's in my environment. So that's what I teach my patients is those three things start there. What you can control first that goes in your body, maybe you do it month by month, right? And think of tampons, they go in your body as well. Like you're absorbing that bleach and dioxins and all the chemicals that come in conventional tampons so that I kind of included in that first category. Um, if you're, you know, you're using a menstrual cup, make sure that it's a high quality cup. It doesn't have chemicals and things like that in it. Um, when you're going to choose foods, choose higher quality foods whenever you can, right? Like look up the clean 15 and dirty Dozen if you need somewhere to start and get an idea of what foods you should be focusing on buying organic, if you can, um, choose a grass fed meat over a uh, grain fed meat, things like that, which are really going to affect the entire body. Um, and don't neglect healthy fats. I think a lot of women still the nineties really ruined us. Um, we are. <laughs> busters. It's, it's the freaking nineties. I'm telling you, they, um, a lot of women are still not eating enough quality, healthy fats from with like omega threes from wild caught salmon and wild caught fish, um, healthy nuts and seeds, avocados, quality fats, um, like grass-fed butter. I think a lot of, uh, those quality fats are like building blocks of our hormones. And if we don't have enough of that, how can we expect to make healthy hormones? So that's a big pillar that, especially for fertility, but hormones in general and hormones and fertility go hand in hand, they're being neglected. So when we incorporate more of those healthy fats, I typically see women feel better, their hormones feel better or look better. Um, and then really prioritizing rest. So making sure you're getting not just sleep every night, but quality sleep every night. So sleeping, depending on what you need, eight, nine hours, dark, cold room wearing a sleep mask, diffusing essential oils if you need to, to relax at night, things like that, that create a really nice, healthy sleep environment. Um, I think a lot of people just look at it like a task they have to get off their list. Okay. I'm going to go to bed today. I'm going to wake up, do the next thing. I like to make it like a whole routine. Like my husband and I, like, we do like, we put essential oils on our backs. We put, them on our feet we diffuse things like we have special lighting we use at night we wear our blue light blocking glasses like it's a whole process that it's so important though like we're a lot of people are just neglecting this standard americans are neglecting rest um and they're not prioritizing it and then understanding that if you are tired not to push too hard not to push yourself through certain phases of your cycle, before you start your period, you might need extra rest. You might need extra nutrients and that's okay. Um, and then the last thing really, I think would be reducing stress as much as possible. So this might look like stressful relationships. This might look like stressful jobs. Um, this might look like taking things off your plate that are creating financial stressors. Um, we talk about this with our patients. Like we had one gal that were, was working three jobs and we're like, do you financially need to work three jobs? And she's like, no. And we're like, we're going to require you get rid of one of them. If you want to get necessary to stop. Yeah, We're like, you cannot work seven days a week. Like this is not happening. She was a mess. She was a complete wreck. And we're like, you need to take a stressor off of your plate, right? Um, toxic relationships are just as toxic as in, uh, toxins in our environment. Mm-hmm. So evaluate, and this is something I actually did to heal my hormones. It, it sounds ridiculous, but my husband and I went through a phase where we cut out basically, and this is in my husband's early part of his mold journey. We cut out basically everyone from our lives, everyone in our circle that was not, contributing to our health, our happiness, our longevity. And this was 99% of the people in our life down to like our Bible study group. That was it. Like that was totally it. And so what we did was we started to cultivate and build new relationships after that, that went along with our core values and our health values, because having friends that are pressuring you to go out and drink and stay out out late and do these things that just don't serve your long-term goals, or let's say they don't eat like you and they feel, you feel pressured around them, to eat unhealthy, inflammatory foods. Sometimes you either need to set really healthy boundaries, or you need to evaluate those relationships and think, is this really a relationship that's going to lead me to the next phase of my health journey that I want to be in, which ultimately is going to contribute to longevity, fertility, horn- hormone, balance, whatever it may be. So it sounds harsh, but there's nothing more important than you and your health. You can't buy that back. You can't get that back. So it's really important to evaluate those relationships in your life and your circle and make sure that they're not causing you more problems uh, than they're worth.
0: Right. And it is truly all encompassing. Health is not just, Hey, take these 10 supplements every single day and healed. Mm-hmm. health is your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. it's everything interconnected. and if one thing is not on the same page as the next, then you will never feel as optimal as you could. So I, I totally agree with that. That must have been extremely hard to do though because I think so many of us we we continue with relationships because they're mm-hmm. what we know, they're what we were used to. We've had that friend for you know 20 years or or whatever it is. So I I love that I love that point that you guys made it an effort to prioritize yourselves in that sense mm-hmm. even if it was a very very difficult decision.
2: Yeah, it was hard. It was lonely and it was hard and it took a couple years to, to rebuild new friend groups and stuff. Um it didn't help that we also moved across the country in that time, but um it, it maybe it yeah. helped It's the best thing. It's the best thing. Uh, we actually moved across the country after that, but, um, it's the best thing I think we ever did. And looking at our inner circle now, like the quality of the people that we have in our lives now, I would never want to trade these friendships and they're totally different. The relationships are totally different. They're stress-free. They pour into me just as much as I pour into them and that it really affects your health. Right. So, It's, it's something that can't be downplayed. It can't be, you know, underestimated about how toxic people can really affect your health. Um, And even if they're family members, I mean, there are times that there are family members of mine. I don't speak to because I have direct symptoms after encountering that person. Like I will have three days of constipation after speaking with or being around a certain family member that to me is my body's innate way of telling me. This relationship is not healthy for your body. So be aware if you're listening to that, like I say all this, so that you can be aware of like the, the people in your life, how you feel when you leave them, like, do they fill up your cup or do they drain you? Things like that is, is just important. I think to, to look at.
1: Yeah. I told her the other day, I'm thankful for her that I get to pray with her as much as I pray for her. So oh. I, that's really important. Yeah, so. but
0: it is, it is very important to have that community around you where yes. we can also have friends that are not, like I have friends that are not on the same page as I am whatsoever, but we have very, we have bound, like they respect my, you know, preferences and things that I do and they don't hold me in a direction where I don't want to go Yeah, and that works for us. But then it's, it's equally as important to have a, a community around you who is lifting you up, who is pushing you, challenging you, into a new direction that you do want to go. So yeah. I, I like that with, with talking to your patients and implementing some of those just lifestyle, what I would consider fairly quote, easy lifestyle changes. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing impacts on their hormones on their fertility just by making those changes?
2: Yeah, totally. Um, and like you said, they seem simple and easy, right? But if you really get into the nitty gritty with the average person. They're not doing all of those things. Even us, like we're not perfect with those either. We have to actively work on those. But yeah, I have noticed that like I'll I'll run a Dutch test, for instance, which is a hormone test. I'll run a Dutch test on someone, let's say a year apart from them quitting a stressful job and their cortisol pattern and their hormones are drastically different. And the only major change we made was they changed jobs or. I mean, a big one is women getting out of um, toxic marriages. I have literally seen women not be able to get pregnant because they are in a toxic, abusive relationship. The second they get out, they start ovulating consistently again. Their hormones are balanced, things like that, which it's sad, but also crazy to think about how much an actual close relationship in your life can impact you. So I really think this has to do with the stress and cortisol cycle, and just how much cortisol can really impact every area of our body. And cortisol is our major stress hormone, right? So it can it can throw off our glucose levels, which can affect ovulation, which can affect hormones and fertility. Um, it can affect sleep. So it's really this, um, ripple effect throughout the body when we do not have a certain, a certain area of our body in balance. And also when we do have an imbalance, how amazing the changes can be and how quick they can happen. Um, but a cool story I have is, um, one of my favorite couples I've ever worked with. They're just like, they have like my heart. I love them so much. They came to me and, um, the wife had endometriosis and had been through several rounds of infertility. Um, and ca- they came to me very skeptical, very skeptical. They'd done all the things, spent all the money on all the things. And one of my first things that I did with them, I didn't put them in any supplements, which I love, by the way, I love supplements, but I had them modify their diet first and had like a fertility friendly diet. And in my investigation, I found out that, um, the wife had those little bath and body works, wallflowers, those fragrance diffusing, like puffy, whatever wallflowers all over her house in like every room of her house. And I said, you're going to hate me right now. I said, but you need to go today, remove all those fragrances from your house and get rid of them. And I swear they thought I was crazy because I just had them do two changes. I was like, these are all the things I want you to do just by doing those two changes within a month. She had a normal cycle first, normal cycle. She hadn't had periods like for nine months at a time. And I'm like, okay, so step one, right. Then we had a better idea of what her labs were doing. And we were able to go in and modify with supplements and things like that and support a the two biggest things were diet and environmental toxins. And 90 days after that, she was pregnant. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see those direct impacts. And that's just one of many that I've seen that has happened like that. Um, So it's really cool to know that you can make these really, really simple, small changes and see these huge results, which doesn't seem possible when you're in the thick of it you know, and you may have already done those two specific things I just mentioned, but there might be two other little things that you have to do that are just as easy as those other two. And it's just figuring out where in your life you need to tweak, um, that you can see the results.
1: And I'm, find, I'm noticing a pattern in these episodes so far. I know. Right. <laughs> and, and finding boxes. The right- yeah. Well, we we'll um, small little changes in, yeah. in every area. I mean, it's like, and repeat we're sitting on a log pete fell off and who was left and you're here repeating what we've been saying for the last four or five episodes as well just those small little changes of they matter so much yes and i think that it's
0: just really great for people to hear because it can be very overwhelming when you're in the thick of it it can be so overwhelming if you've been trying to conceive for you know a year and a half and just knowing and being given hope that, hey, other people are there too. You just have to find the right person that can help navigate. What is your thing? What is the thing that is holding you back specifically and navigate yeah. all aspects of that patient's life to mm-hmm. then help their hormonal health? I mean, it's just, it's absolutely massive. Um, Kind of switching gears a little bit. I would love <laughs> to talk about pregnancy a little bit. Help So many women become pregnant. Um, and, and are most of those women for starters are most of those women, women who struggle with infertility, then start working with you. And the goal is to conceive. Is that usually where you catch women?
2: Yeah, for the most part, it's sad to say, but we are usually the last stop. (laughs) We are usually the last train stop. Um, people come to, and they are pretty discouraged, but at the same time, open to try anything because they've already done it all. Um, but yeah, that is kind of the state, um, that they're in when they come to us, they have usually been through a couple rounds of fertility treatments of some kind. Um, and they've been diagnosed with infertility or they're trying naturally on their own at home and it's just not working and they're proactive and smart enough to know something's just not right. And I love those clients that they just know, I want to go the natural route first and figure out are there these simple little tweaks or do I have to put my body through five rounds of IVF to find out that I just need to unplug my wallflowers you know what I mean like there's it's simple it's so simple, she is so simple. it really can it really can and I I mean there's once again no fault on women This conversation should be had at their first fertility appointment. It should never have gone beyond that, in my opinion. Um, But that's just not how conventional fertility is, unfortunately.
0: Unfortunately, yeah. So then on the flip side, do you have then women also coming to you who have been through multiple rounds of IVF and you're evaluating those women and you're like, okay, we are going to start from here and just re-look at you. You know, what I say to patients is my job once they get to me, because it's very similar, is to look Mm -hmm. at... Nobody else has. Yes. To find out what are we missing here, because there's clearly something missing if you're still symptomatic or things aren't, you know, optimal like like they should be. So when it comes to pregnancy, mm-hmm. give get your best kind of general tips on what to avoid, what to implement. How can we generally set ourselves up set ourselves up for success mm-hmm. when when pregnant?
2: Yeah. So I love that question. Um, Doing all the things we already talked about, all the simple changes we already talked about a few minutes ago, um, having a really good support system around you. Who's going to help you implement those changes. There is a drastic difference between the couples I work with that have a supportive spouse versus a non-supportive spouse, hands down your support system, whether it be your mom, your friends, your spouse, they have to be on board with what you're doing, whether it be the natural route or diet and lifestyle changes you have to draw some hard lines there with people. Um, the next thing to do is make sure that whoever you're working with, you are doing a thorough hormone workup before pregnancy. So this includes, which I'm sure you do this, checking all of the precursor hormones, the sex hormones themselves, stress hormones, um, looking at the thyroid completely looking for autoimmunity, things like that, that can all impact fertility. Um, and that is just 100% not being done across the board at fertility clinics. Like people come in and they say, I, I can't get pregnant. I've had all the testing done, all of it. Um, they come in with like four tests. I'm like, so you're, so your specialist that you just paid $50,000 to only ordered FSH, LH, estrogen, and progesterone. Maybe it's like, SH. Yeah. Maybe a TSH with reflex, like, yeah. I not you have to order more than that. It drives me yeah. nuts. They're like, oh, Our...
0: all the most you know, thorough panels done, and I'm like, what? Yeah,
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, yeah, and what day did you go get them? A random day of your cycle, no. okay. Um, that drives me absolutely crazy because so much time is being wasted for these couples who just don't have a practitioner that cares enough to do the work or like they're already paying out of pocket for a lot of it why not just order the extra labs right why not look at that um that that is quite frustrating to me in school let's
1: let's do better on the patient side and on the practitioner side please let's do better yeah
2: 100 percent, 100 percent. um there was another big one i was just going to tell you guys about and now a word from our sponsor
0: the kids are back to school and this means in addition to homework they will also bring home those nasty classroom germs protecting the health of the entire family is key and so too is taking a preventative approach i trust stellar biotics for daily immune and gut health support with 20 years of science behind their metabiotic and probiotic supplements Stellar Biotics produces all natural, proven, safe, and effective supplements for everyone in your family, children, nursing mothers, and even pets. I trust them for my own family's immune and gut health support, and I hope that you consider them for your family too. Learn more at StellarBiotics.com and use coupon code DRCC10 to get 10% off of your purchase.
2: It'll come to me.
0: It will come to you. Implementing things to avoid, getting pregnant, being pregnant anything in in that realm of the universe. What I was saying while you think is that a big part of that is that we aren't taught these things in school, how I practice. Now I was taught the, obviously I learned a lot in school, but it's, it's the bare bones of what I utilize now. It's yeah. Anatomy, physiology, pharmaceutical stuff, pharmacology, but outside of that, like how you have to integrate each system together and how everything works together and how i interpret labs now is not what i was taught whatsoever. So yes. i mean that's a loaded topic but i truly think that there's not enough practitioners practicing how we do because we're just not taught it. It's not it's not the norm and you have to something has to lead you to that side of medicine.
2: Yeah. I mean you made me think of a couple things there. If you just go back to a physiology textbook, which my gosh, my husband is such a nerd. He used to walk around for like years with our physiology textbook into practice. Like when we are in practice and he'd be like on page 212, I'm like, Oh God. But understanding physiology, like if they went back to that, they would, they would understand how severely they are misleading people and what they're missing. Right. If you just look at how hormones are made, where they're produced, look at the cycle of hormones. Like what are the pathways that are in the body that are happening with hormones backtrack and then figure out where the problem in the, like in the system is, where's the kink in the hose. I always tell people, um, so that that's not happening. What I was going to mention previously too, is, um, some tips to a get pregnant and have a good pregnancy beforehand is actually understanding your cycle, understanding the different phase of your cycle and what your body is doing at each phase so that you can get pregnant naturally and on your own. A lot of times what I'm seeing is even in conventional fertility clinics, they're having women come in at the wrong time of their cycle. They're not having them track cervical mucus. They're not having them track their temperature patterns, nothing like that. So they're going in for these procedures at the wrong time in their cycle for them. So like you mentioned, I think we don't all ovulate on day 14 or 15 of our cycle. It could be day 12, could be day 20. A lot of women with hormone imbalances and PCOS do ovulate later in their cycle. I'm like a consistent day 18 or 19 ovulator. I ovulate every month, day 18 or 19 or 20 never been a day day 14 ovulator. So a lot of times people and couples in general are not actually struggling with infertility. They're struggling with the knowledge or the lack of knowledge on timing for conception, which you've probably seen that happen, which is sad to me, but also my, some of my favorite cases to work with, because I can solve their problem quickly and effectively and very affordably for them. Um, but those are things And no matter what program I'm teaching, I am teaching about how to understand your cycle because across the board, no matter what hormonal issue you have, you need to understand the different phases of your cycle and what your body's doing at each phase and how to identify that. So I think that's pivotal. That's pivotal in general for anything. Um, But also um, having a good pregnancy. I think that was back to your original question tips for that um and i've never been pregnant so i'll preface it with this like you might be able to give more advice on this part and i'll let you speak to this too um (laughs) yeah yeah exactly um i think really focusing on nourishment during pregnancy is so important like listening to your body and and giving it things that it craves the body is super smart I noticed that women crave certain foods that they need during pregnancy. So like you might crave red meat more during pregnancy. You might crave dark chocolate. That might mean that you need more magnesium, things like that. Understanding what your body is needing at that moment. Um, And then really replenishing with minerals. The body needs minerals, needs iron. Our iron needs are severely increased in pregnancy. So we need to eat more iron rich foods and things like that. Um, I love the book, Real Food for Pregnancy. I'm sure you've read that or have it. Um, that's a great place to start is just understanding what your body needs. Um, but then also understanding that that pregnancy and birth in general is not an emergency and it's a normal physiological process and that you don't have to be scared. I think that's a big one. You don't have to be stressed throughout your pregnancy. You don't have to be scared. Um, and kind of pooling your resources during pregnancy, it can be really helpful too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And to your point, taking and taking what your body needs, that also means not just food, but rest versus act. Yeah. you know, especially for us women, I think we are caught in a society, especially as working women, where you are go, 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 go. And you are you have to overperform and you know be in order to stay kind of on par with your peers. But it's especially important. I love that you said this earlier about women's cycles in general, that there's part in your cycle where you're meant to kind of Take a rest, like slow down a mm-hmm. little bit. Take time for yourself. Well, that's also pregnancy too. In that, if you feel like your body is becoming depleted, girl, slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, we totally. gotta listen to our to our body on, you know, all fronts of of that. Without giving us too many details, yes, makes your because I notice you have some pregnancy prep things as well that I'd love for you to talk yeah. about, not just PCOS related courses. Mm-hmm. But can you talk a little bit about that? What can a patient or a client expect to learn to how to grow, you know, from, from those courses or from your services?
2: Yeah. So something that we really focus on is the health of your body preconception. So I always tell my clients, uh, course members, whatever it may be, my goal for you is not just to get you pregnant. It's for you to stay pregnant and have a healthy pregnancy. I don't want women who are having gestational diabetes and hypertension and all these issues that pop up during pregnancy that can be avoided if well-prepared. They really can. A lot of them are issues with micronutrients and minerals and things like that in the body that can be avoided if there's a proper preconception screen or or prep done in general. Um, And so that is something that I really focus on quite a bit. It is educating women. What does that actually look like? So, in my course, I actually give them a spreadsheet of the exact labs I want them to order, and I give them, I show them where to order them, and then I give them lab ranges. So, we don't want to just look at lab ranges; we want to look at optimal ranges. So, I give them an optimal range that I want to see their labs at to to be the best to have the best possible outcomes for pregnancy. And then, taking you know a more proactive approach when they do get pregnant. I'm very adamant about them getting their progesterone levels checked frequently, very often. Yes. about you. (laughs) Yes. I am like every seven to 10 days sending my clients to get a progesterone draw and checking HCG and seeing how their hormones are trending because so many pregnancies or I should say pregnancy losses could be avoided if those steps were taken. And it just makes me sad to see from the outside for people who I'm not caring for, that that's not being done. Like that should be standard. I've had to literally fight with OBs to just get them to order progesterone on a pregnant patient.
0: Oh, yeah. I have OBs that obviously I don't see the pregnant woman in terms of, you know, OBGYN type of things. But as soon as my patients get pregnant, they mm-hmm. have script for progesterone on hand from a compounding pharmacy. Yeah. I'm looking at it. You know, as soon as they get pregnant, ten days ish later, and I can't yep. tell how many OBs I have that are like, "Oh, stop that! You know, you don't need yep. to be doing that." And I'm like, "No, no, keep going until we're safe mm-hmm. here." Especially if you yeah. have a previous miscarriage, I can't. Yes. Tell you the women where it was low progesterone, yeah, a vitamin D of fifteen, yeah, folate of three, and a B12 of two hundred, and I'm like, and those ferritin are- of like twenty, yes, and I'm like, yeah very easy things that if we just normalized looking at prior to pregnancy, as soon as you know, conception occurs. And then especially within the first 12 weeks, it's just, it's wildly
2: easy to me and very frustrating that it's not. Yeah. I'm seeing the same exact things as you are hundred percent low vitamin D low B vitamins, low iron, all of that low progesterone, and those things are all easily, we can easily support the body with those very quickly too, especially with like really high quality oral vitamins and things like that. They can take liquids and high doses like and get their nutrient stores up quickly, right? So I, I love the way that you do that too because it's not happening everywhere, you know, at all. So it's, I would say that is really where we're different. Um, and then really talking about, um preparing the body mentally and physically as well. So, um, I have a guest expert, um, in one of my courses and she comes in or in my pregnancy course, and she comes in and kind of talks about like mother wounds and the spiritual roots of infertility and like the stories that we are telling ourselves that lead to this process. And that can make it difficult. Even women kind of telling themselves pregnancy is going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to be this. And that in itself can actually be the reason why you're not getting pregnant because your body inherently and intuitively is afraid of that process. Oh, so yeah. working through those emotional phases too, is a big part of how I help women prep for pregnancy. And then understanding obviously the importance of pelvic floor health, understanding the importance of sleep and movement. Um, And then There's so many choices that you have to make too, as a mom and in pregnancy. And that's something that I love to teach women about because there's so many scans and everything pushed on you during pregnancy, ironically, because the things they don't push are the most important, like progesterone, but then they push scans like every three to four weeks and things like that, that are unnecessary in my opinion. Um, And so being aware and having some guidance on what you actually need during pregnancy, when your baby comes, what to say yes and no to what to allow people to do to your baby, things like that. Um, I just, they're not, from what I've seen, they're not being taught anywhere that is readily available to women that they can access. And I mean, even when I first started seeing patients, I was trying to find information and it was like, there's actually not a lot out there. Like I had to, hire experts and learn things and talk to my mom, friends that were super knowledgeable in these topics and pool all of my own resources to be able to be a guide for these women, because they literally, it's just not out there. It's not out there for women.
0: I completely agree. It wasn't until I got into more of the home birth community that I learned those options. And mm-hmm. that's massive that there are options out there that you do have the option to decline certain things. And if you want to decline X, then you can opt for Y if you would like to, but it's not readily known. And it's not, I certainly was not taught any of it in in school. I only learned it through my home birth community where I was like, wow, okay, this is an option. And it's actually literature-based, you know, that this can be a choice for you. That I think that's massive to be that reference and resource for women to know, hey, you can do this. And feel empowered to make that decision for your child instead of feeling like you're forced to do one thing because it's the norm and it's just what everybody's doing
2: totally and there's that pressure there's that like societal pressure that women get um and i will say like i am the first to admit i am not an expert in everything i bring in a lot of experts into my courses because there is no one person who's going to know it all, and I'm the first to say I do not know it all. Um, so what's really cool is in my in my pregnancy prep course, I bring in moms that are healthcare practitioners, I bring in pain free birth experts, I bring in pelvic floor therapists, and I have them all talk about their specialties. And one's a doula, because that is important for women to hear all the different sides and be able to ask those experts questions or hear their Q and As they've done previously. Um, because once again, like, how do you know how to find doula? How do you know how to find a midwife? Most women don't even realize that they don't need an OBGYN in pregnancy, that they can hire a midwife and a doula to oversee their whole pregnancy, which is so amazing too. And it's just a big misconception that they have to get an OBGYN right away. They have to do all these scans. Um, and it's just, it's not true. You can do it however you want and you're totally in control, um, and I, I love to empower women to make those decisions.
0: Yeah. And it, it makes it feel like birth is ours again. Mm-hmm. You know? it's, yeah, we are. Birth is such a medicalized, if that's a word thing now, where yep. women, when they become pregnant, it's our first reaction to call the doctor, you know, yeah. like, no, I need to get in right now. Like to see you, like, as if there's a problem,
2: there's like no a problem. medical emergency.
0: Yes. Yeah. And then we rely on that medical system to actually give birth. Now, of course, it can be life-saving. Sometimes someone would need that, you know, just direction and, and intervention. But it—you should still feel empowered to be like, "Hey, my body's meant to go through this. I am meant to design to give birth, and I can choose to do so how I want." That yeah. is so. Outside, kind of wrapping up outside of the pregnancy prep. Um, give us another drop of the other courses that you offer, how patients or people can work with you directly, how they can contact you all the goods.
2: Yeah. Okay. So my two flagship courses right now are the PCOS collective. So this is for anyone with PCOS, or if you suspect PCOS, if you're a mother of a a daughter with PCOS, um, and then I have my pregnancy prep Academy, which is for all women. Any woman who plans to be pregnant in the future is pregnant now wants to be pregnant all the things. um, That's kind of a one-stop shop resource for that. Um, And all of that and my information can be found at my, at my website at PCOSdoc.com. And also I'm on Instagram quite a bit um, at the PCOS doc on Instagram. Um, So that's where you can find me, send me DMs, ask me your questions, um, follow me there. And if you would like to work with us, you can go to our website at PCUSdoc.com and apply to work with us there. We have several avenues uh, where you can work with us one-on-one in addition to our courses or or just exclusively one-on-one. If you'd like, we do take on -on one-on-one clients. So we would love to help you in any way we
0: can. Amazing. Well, thank you, Dr. Natalie, for joining us and for being just an amazing resource for women who might feel like they don't have an option, but they do. Y'all know that you have an option out there and Dr. Natalie could be someone to help you find and navigate the solution to any hormonal imbalances that you might be going through. So thank you, Dr.
1: Natalie, for for joining us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. And as always, we'll list all of Dr. Natalie's stuff down in the show notes. So you'll have an easy access link to go follow her. Go follow her on Instagram. She's really fun to watch over there and connect with her. If you've got questions, just, just connect and we'll go from there so absolutely until next time let's let's discover discover together together. hey discoverer let's discover more find episode link in today's show notes follow us on instagram and tiktok at the discovery doc connect with us on facebook at the discovery doc like and subscribe on youtube find us wherever you listen to podcasts visit our website thediscoverydoc.com This podcast is produced by Soulpreneurs Association, empowered by soulsoftware.co. Empowering your digital journey with innovative solutions. The content provided in this podcast provides general information and discussions on various topics related to health, wellness, and medical advancements. However, it is essential to understand that the content provided in this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The hosts, guests, and contributors are individuals sharing their personal experiences, opinions, and knowledge in their respective fields. While they strive to provide accurate, up-to-date information, medical knowledge is constantly evolving, and the information presented in this podcast may not always reflect the most current research and medical guidelines. It is crucial to consult with a qualified healthcare professional or medical expert for specific medical concerns. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay seeking medical treatment based on the information presented in this podcast the discovery doc podcast encourage listeners to use their own judgment and discretion while implementing any suggestions recommendations or lifestyle changes discussed in this episode each individual's medical situation is unique and may work for one may not be suitable or safe for another The podcast hosts, guests, and contributors are not liable for any direct, indirect, consequential, or incidental damages or harm that may arise from listening or acting upon the information provided in this podcast. Listeners are responsible for their own health decisions and should exercise caution and seek professional guidance when necessary. By listening to this podcast, you acknowledge that you have read, understood, and agreed to this medical disclaimer. If you have any questions or concerns about this medical disclaimer, please consult a qualified healthcare professional.